Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Putting It Together, the Creative Conversations podcast. How the devil are you? Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, so this week, my guest is Karen Dunbar, star of Stage and Screen, uh, most well known to most perhaps for her appearance in Chewing the Fat, which sort of catapulted her to to fame and recognition in comedy, and now doing a, a really wide variety of of great theatre work as well. So so excited to get a chance to talk to her about all that, um, where it all started. It's so interesting to hear about. Karen's story of where it started because it's it's an unlikely journey let's say but so many are so I'm delighted to bring you that interview and um, I'm talking to you from the the same studio as usual but with some some little changes so thanks to the people who've donated to the show we've managed to upgrade some of the kit and I'm talking to you on one of our brand new microphones which is industry standard for radio and podcast so We've kind of upped our game just a wee bit, and I thank everybody for for contributing to that. It's been great. So, uh, what else have I got to tell you? Well, uh, Karen Dunbar, of course, is about to appear in The Importance of Being Earnest at Perth Theatre. So, i let you know that that starts this week. That's the 5th of uh, March, and it runs until... I had it here, now I've lost it. The 21st of March, so that's in the main house... Perth Theatre, and the cast also includes Daniel Cahill, Caroline Dega, Grant O'Rourke, and Amy Kennedy. Great team of people, and I'm sure a wonderful production. If you want to hear a wee bit more about it, not just from this episode, you can go back and listen to the first uh, podcast that I did with the National Theatre of Scotland a few weeks back with Lou Kemp, who is directing this production. So, um, yes, exciting times for Perth and for Karen and for us. Great to chat to her. Also this week, uh, a play, a pie and a pint at Oramore, you'll be able to see Daniel, which is a one-person play by Isabel Wright, and it's directed by Paul Brotherston and stars Jack Tarleton. Now that's, uh, let me read here, Daniel returns to Edinburgh to help his father clear out the family home. A battle of wills ensues as Daniel is forced to face the truth about himself and his past. A witty black comedy about love, loss and coming home to a city you barely recognise. So that is this week, right up until Saturday the 7th of March at Oran Moor, a play, a pie and a pint. Uh, news from me is I'm recording slightly in advance this week because I'm heading to uh, down to, I think, it's, is it Warrington or Liverpool? Somewhere down that way, near Southport, I think, um, for a gig. Um, and then straight from there to London to fly to Iceland for a few days, a little break. I'm going to be hiking glaciers and um, dipping in the Blue Lagoon and all the things that you you do when you go to Reykjavik. Um, so I'm very excited about that. And then the flight gets back into London, so I'll stay in London for a few days, uh, catch up with some people, see a couple of shows. Looking very much forward to seeing Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, both parts. Um, yeah, and I actually had a dream about seeing it last night and um, it wasn't much use. So that can't be right. No. And also I was late. This is the problem with the dream. It's not so much the show. It's that you're trying to get to the show. So I was climbing all these stairs trying to get there. And Hey, is there anything more boring than listening to other people's dreams? Thank you for listening to my podcast. I'll stop describing my dreams to you now. So I hope that you are well um, and surviving if you're in Scotland at the weather, which took a wee turn there um, and now seems to have returned to the rain. So yes, I've got a lot of driving to do in that uh, today and tomorrow and ongoing, um, but that's alright, it's all for a good cause, uh, things are, are looking up and I'm officially now going to be writing one of the mini musicals for Play a Pine of Paints summer season, so I've started that and I'm delighted to have a director on board with me who's, who's mentoring me as we speak, um, and more on that soon. And thanks for all your, your 
con what's the word con contract no <laughs> thanks for all your correspondence that's a really simple word to forget uh let me know how you are um got a lovely response from reading out the email from nicholas stevens last week um and things are really picking up um thanks to people being in touch with me and me being able to reach out really easily now um i'm managing to get some some really cool interviews lined up so i'm excited about the direction the podcast is taking um, and that's thanks to everybody listening sharing it all that stuff Remember, if you're not already doing so, you can follow me on social media. Just search for Putting It Together. But if you're on Instagram or Twitter, you can write in PitCCPod. PitCCPod is the handle. Uh, Give us a follow. Give us a wee shout. Let people know that you're listening to the show. You know the drill. Um, And if you can afford to, then it would be really appreciated. If you join the ranks of those people who are becoming patrons of the show, you can do it for a very small amount if you wish. You can do a one-off larger amount. You can do a monthly uh, subscription, couple of quid, whatever you can afford. And that's only if you can afford it. You just go to puttingittogethercast.com and you look for the yellow donate button. It takes you to PayPal and the rest is self-explanatory. So if you can afford to do that, it's much appreciated. And again, thank you to the people who are already doing that or who've done that over over the last couple of years um, because it's starting to make a, a really big impact. The show is growing and one day I hope that it's part of my, my full-time uh, employment and that is... Um, it's as much to do with those donations as anything else but also just keeping it going is doing that um, the partnership with the National Theatre and as other little partnerships and, and um, collaborations in the pipeline um, which I'm hoping are going to come to fruition and uh, will get us closer to that goal of me being able to dedicate more of my time to this so it's uh, we're in a good place and I hope that you are too and I am personally in a pretty good place too um, feeling nice and I like being busy, you know, and at the moment um, I've had a couple of, a few quiet weeks I would say and now things are starting to pick up and that's exciting. Um, so today I'm going to run about the place packing bags, I have to pack different bags for different things. I'm going into town to, to meet someone in a dressing room to do a podcast, a very exciting person who I'll tell you about when the episode's coming out. So that's one bag, podcast stuff, and then there's a bag for the London trip, and then there's a separate bag for Iceland because I'm on carry-on only and very minimal, but also freezing cold over there. So once I've talked to you, then I'm just going to pack so many bags and fill my car with various different bags. Wow, my exciting life. Thank you. You tuned in to hear that. That and my dreams. What You must be gluttons for punishment. Anyway, thank you for listening and uh, I hope you're looking forward to this interview. It's with Karen Dunbar, so I'll bring you right away our guest of the week. Karen Dunbar's here with me and we are Putting It Together. Importance of being earnest is next. That's right, Brian. Um... Hello, everybody. Oh, see, we just start. No, that, you just start. I'll say hello. Hello, everybody. <laughs> One other person did that. He said, hi, everyone. Irish guy. And right. at the end, he told him he loved him. So bear that in mind. I'll probably go for the first bit, but I'm start not sure the about hello. the second bit. Okay, We're Glaswegian. That's fine. That's fine. Um, how did that come about then? I was asked to do it. Yeah. Uh, the part of Lady Bracknell, which is a fantastic part. Aye. Big sort of comedy role. Very witty. Mm-hmm. Uh, very sharp. So I like to think I was typecast. <laughs> <laughs> me again with a wit and sharp job. You can't get away from it with me. <laughs> but that's, it seems like you're going more in that direction of kind of these classic roles and, you know, more quote-unquote serious theatre. Aye, it's been interesting, Brian. A lot of the times I don't pursue stuff. I just wait and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And so far, it's not been a bad life. Yeah. Um, 
So with things like you know, I did uh, three different Shakespeare plays yeah. with Philip Lloyd done in done in London in New York. Hey, I know. Was and that the RSC? No, was no, it, it was the Donmar. Oh, Donmar, that's right. Donmar, uh, put that one. So it started off in the Donmar, and then they built a theatre in King's Cross, and we did uh, a trilogy of Shakespeare plays. Um, wow. Did uh, Henry the Fourth, Julius Caesar, and the Tempest. In fact, on Saturdays we did the three of them in one day. Ooh, that ah, was smashing. That's was, a good I, buzz, though, isn't it? Oh, and I actually remember thinking when she was, Philda was setting it all out and telling us what would happen in the schedule, and I thought. <laughs> no. never could you do that yeah. it's never I'm here I will turn up mm-hmm. I'll do what I'm asked but we're never going to do that and do you know oh we did yeah. oh, oh we did and did it again and again then we went to New York um, so to do stuff like that um, I played uh, Winnie and Sammy Beckett's Happy Days yes. which was man that was a, a brilliant experience but I mean it's uh, an urn an hour and 25 minutes uh, monologue, just yeah. about. Um, so, I mean, I learned that. I did it in the May and I started learning it in the February, February, March, April. Right. It's uh, a lot, yeah. Aye. And it's not like you can kind of wing it. I mean, it's so specific, no, that stuff, isn't it? No, because, well, now that I know the way that Beckett writes, um, every dot and comma, it's almost like a musical score. Yeah. So it's being aware of that. It's being aware of the, the grammar and the punctuation as well as the... As the words, yeah, and uh, it's what a, it is. It's what a buzz it is to to hit it, to get it. Yeah. But it, t- it takes a lot to get it. But it was great. Wow, where was that on? Uh, the Tron. That's I did it as right, part man. of Mayfesto. Doesn't she speak to? Is the husband supposed to be behind the mind or something? That's right. Right. And uh, and yes, she does speak to me. Doesn't speak to back to <laughs> That's <though>. the trouble. <laughs> Even if we would speak back. Just a couple of sentences, <laughs> but no, um, it was Andy Arnold, the director and the uh, um, uh, creative producer of the Tron. I mm-hmm. don't know if creative producer is the right title. He's I a nice he's big man. Artistic director. That's the word, aye. I'm just a Boss man. Oh, with the creativity. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But he played Willie as well. Off your phone to um, Andy. He's just, you know, I've done a couple of things with him. And, um, he's had really, really nice, good, very droll Cockney guy, he is, isn't really he? Really liked yeah. him and I really trusted him because it was a huge thing to do. Yeah. Um. So I doing more stuff like that, and uh, and finding it really enjoyable. Yeah. And really interesting. And with the the trilogy of Shakespeare plays, was it? Did you find the audience to be on the Saturdays people coming to see all three in a go? Aye. It wasn't just people taking their opportunity to yep. see one. Yeah. People were specifically, you know, could see, you know, we women in the audience with a Macintosh on in yep. a bag with messages at it, sitting at ten, because the first one was at half ten, I think half ten, half two and seven yep. were the shows, and there throughout it, and actually the, I can picture there is a specific wee woman that I was thinking about, <laughs> and I had friends in at one of the shows, and I'd went through, so we've done two shows, we've got another one to do at seven, I'm really happy my pals are there and I says to him, I'll, I'll run back and I'll say hello to you, run mm. into the bar, give you a hug. Um, so my pals are there, oh my God, brilliant, blah, blah, blah. And as I was leaving, we wee woman in Macintosh grabs my arm and she says, can I just say that's that's the best Shakespeare that I have ever seen. However, I was like, <laughs> Not I was time. Like, thanks very much. And just moving my body. However, when, 
when one says, what's the matter? That's the first time that ha- phrase had ever been used. What's the matter? Now, what he meant it wasn't like, what's the problem? What's wrong? He went, what is this matter? What is this made of? You oh. must tell your friends, because it was Marlene, telling your friends she must say it like that. And I was like, thank, th- right, thanks very much. Oh. And another, and I was like, excuse me, I'll just, because we're, yes, but. And I, <laughs> you get so that, don't you? What, what type of person was in? Do you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm saying type, but that, that was a one off. And actually, she she loved it, that wee woman. She was just so pedantic and specific, which yeah. was great. In a way, I just didn't have the time to it's take her notes. <laughs> but he I did came invent... all the way from Sheffield. That's amazing. Mm. He he did come up with words and, and phrases that had never been What's used before. What's the matter? Give up the ghost, which oh, is, is, in, is, uh, is the first time that had ever been used, that phrase, and how often we say that. It's quite a few of them. Uh, Frugal. And those plays. Frugal. Is it? one of his, is that a Shakespeare word? Uh-huh. I don't know that. See? It's because uh, I'm no frugal. <laughs> yeah, it'd be good if you knew that, yeah. Right. So so now it's it's uh, Oscar Wilde, which I suppose is a, in a bit of a departure, although for non-theatre people, it's all just one big theatre thing, isn't it? I, well, I don't know what it says about me, but the more I'm learning it, because I'm working on a first act just now, um, I'm like, this is pretty Shakespearean in ways, like mm-hmm. his construct. And actually, no, unlike Beckett as well, or Beckett will not be unlike him, in the way that it's hugely long sentences, dots, commas, semicolons, things like that, which I love. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying I love I love it when I've learned it, but yeah. when when I've learned it, the, the, the buzz off it, do you know, of of because it's it's brilliantly written. Um so to to get it to hit the nail in the head of it, it's fantastic. Um, but it's I keep saying that for some reason the description that I've got is it's very crunchy. I keep saying crunchy. it's really crunchy. And I was running lines with my pal the other night, and uh, and I, I says to him, "No, I says be patient." I says this isn't the voice that I'm going to use. Don't know what voice I'm going to use yet. Right, right, right. But I'll need to do. I'll need to really enunciate things, which would be part of who she kind of was, it who she is anyway. Yeah. Society lady, lady Bracknell in the row in that upper class bracket. But I really had to. Have, I've really got to enunciate and hit the T's and D's on things because it just the words will just get lost. Mm. You know, it can't even be half hearted. You know, a wee bit. It really needs to be hit. Or I'm tripping over things, but when yeah. I hit things, even if I exaggerate it a wee bit just now, I'm getting it much clearer. Yeah, there's so much detail in there, Aye. and you miss it. Yep, and it needs to go at a lick. It really does need a real pace. But yeah. you know, as Luke Kemp, the director, said, she was like, "I remember there's a difference between pace and speed." I'm like, yes, thank yeah. You. So right. it was good to be reminded of that and and the, and the rhythm of it. But it's a yeah. fast, it's a fast beat. It's a fast a bit T's and D's. <laughs> yeah, but then it, you're right. There is a buzz in getting that and nailing that because mm. you've got this really clear uh, roadmap for what you need to do. And when you hit it, it's like yes, aye, aye. It just falls into place. I know. I love my job. You know, I get to do that, and then I'm away. You know, the last job I had was playing Betty and uh, as God and still game. Oh yeah, at the yeah, hydro, yeah. slightly <laughs> different. Just a bit, yeah. Slightly different. And of course, nobody knew she was coming back. No, I know. I know, wow. and the fact that we managed to keep it under wraps, yep. what a buzz, because the reception on the first night, God, Brian, I've never, I've, no, I've never had anything like it. I mean, obviously, there's 10,000 folk in the place, yeah, yeah. and Betty's a hugely popular character. <laughs> Still game, the best show in Scotland, the most popular show in Scotland, yeah, and yeah. and uh, and the story that the, the boys had written, you know, about it being in the afterlife, and and this search for God and they're looking for God and looking for God. So they you know so the audience are kind of waiting for God anyway. And then Who's when God was Betty. Or, yeah. Aye. 
So, I mean, <laughs> it was like, it sounds a bit arty farty, but it was a total gift. Yeah. You know, I'd won a watch before I opened my mouth. Yeah, that's it. You kind of can't go wrong, can you? No. You just appear. Well, you, you, well I could, but I, I, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> if you yeah. tried, yeah. Aye, you, could, you couldn't start wrong. You could certainly get rag on it, but no, <laughs> yeah. it was brilliant. So did you hang out back there for the whole time or did you show up just before you went on? Oh, I was there. For, were, you, I, were, I were you there listening? There in the afternoon kicking about. Aye, that was a buzz as well. That's possibly one of the it, best yeah. jobs I've ever done, which sounds a bit like the type of thing you think you should say in an interview. It's not. It was everything between what I've said there, the character, the audience, working with people that I'd worked and known and got on with for years. So yeah. we had already had that shorthand and rapport. Script was brilliant. It was the end of the end of an era. Yeah. Um the venue the venue was twenty minutes from my house. Even the catering was fantastic. I love that. Have you tasted this macaroni and cheese? Oh my God, it's brilliant. Down to the very last detail, it's joyous. You know, come off the stage, get out the wig and the costume and everything, be in my bed half an hour later. Oh, glorious. Aye. So you don't don't hang about and do the social bit? No, I mean, I don't mind it, but certainly no every night. I mean, my pals are in, I'm buzzing and I'm away back to see them and everything, but no, 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 back in the house. Because it's... It's a lot in terms of, it doesn't matter. I mean, I started off as a karaoke host and a DJ when I was 19. Did you? I did, aye. That's my training. Um, And it's the same thing coming in for the theatre as much as you're in a nightclub. Being in a a sort of a dark environment with loads of lights and loads of sound and loads of people. And then just trying to um, decamp. Don't know if that's the word. What is this? What's De- the word when it, that's it? When divers come up, right, and not too quickly in case I get the bends. Um, so doing that, um, best thing for me is a dark room, and well, nowadays Netflix. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that, and I, I think it it doesn't happen instantly. You can't come home and go straight, fall no. straight asleep. There is there is that <coughs> time needed. Um, yep, and. Uh, uh, Tom Urie was the musical director on it Tom who was in the Camden Bar show yeah. and we talked about what we were watching on Netflix and he said have you watched Gilmore Girls I was like what is that no I've seen it advertised it comes up he went mm. watch it he says it's just he says it's like a big hug <laughs> coming for your telly and I was like oh for god's sake oh my god I love Gilmore Girls and that's what I was watching <laughs> right, okay. during that and you just come in and it's dead easy and there's a wee bit of drama but everything's sorted at the end and everybody's right. happy Oh, it was brilliant. We, those shows are good for the soul. Aye. That's the kind of thing Tom would recommend, of course. Uh, well, aye, aye. This is the guy that watches Sound of Music once a week. Yes. He te- um, sends me pictures of his telly when he's watching Sound of Music, and I'm like, are, are you serious again? No, I, I think that's devotion. Yeah, I think that, that, that shows the cut of his jib, that. That's his loyalty. <laughs> that is, yeah. <laughs> Keep that guy like that around. Aye, definitely. So you yeah, started out hosting... Maria Von Trapp. Yeah, absolutely. You started out hosting karaoke and I did. DJing. Where was right. that? Um, uh, I was born in Glasgow but I was brought up in Ayr mm-hmm. and there was a pub in Ayr called Bonkers no there was a pub in Glasgow called Bonkers oh it was a club yeah it was huge big place down in Hope Street across the station that's right but the, the original one was in Ayr and the two guys that owned it one of them had been away on holiday in America I can't remember where he was and he'd went to what was a show bar so I mean he's probably in LA or something like that I'm, I actually think it was Florida or something that he saw the original one I'm not sure Right, and uh, and he had this idea to to recreate as something like that in <laughs> a seaside town in the west coast <laughs> of Scotland, but actually, Bonkers and Air was a massive success, right. absolutely massive. It was the Carnegie Group that owned it. Right, right. Well, when they bought it over, but the first, anyway, <laughs> old 
but so that guy that had it, and there was a tiny wee stage area. I mean, really, but this, uh, but half the size of your room here. Um, and what the staff would do was pour pints, and then uh, they would go and now live and bonkers show bar blah blah, and uh, and you would come on and mime to a song, or to, you know, do a funny act or something, just three minutes, right. and that would happen every half hour. Um, and nothing had been seen like that in air anyway, definitely. Right. So, uh, you know, it was big for hen nights and stag nights and big Christmas parties and everything like that. It was a real big party bar. So I worked in there and my boss said to me, I was only there a couple of months, and my boss said to me, there's a thing coming out called karaoke. Um, he said, we're going to get a karaoke machine and we're going to do it on a Wednesday night, which was a quiet night. He said, you can sing a wee bit, do you want to host it? And I was like, I mean, I wouldn't say I was shy because I can never say that I was shy, but mm. I was Utterly inexperienced. I sure. mean, none, none at all. And I said I. And when I started off hosting it, I would I would start like this: "Hello, everybody. It's the karaoke. If you want to sing, write your name down." And then so, I was still working as a barmaid, right. so I would host the karaoke and be on the bar. So I would see somebody at the corner of my eye and have to put the mic down and go and pour a pint. <laughs> um, and I would say the first singer Sheila. Round of applause for Sheila. That's how I was. Sheila okay. would come up, sing Blanket in the Ground. While she's singing, I'm pouring a Guinness. Do you know that way? And I've got it tipped up and I'm looking and I'm watching Sheila and I'm thinking this song's going to end. Time it's, it out, time it I, out. <laughs> so it started like that. And then it went for a, uh, it went for a Wednesday, till Wednesday, Thursday, till Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday. And it took me up to Glasgow. By that time, I was, I mean, that was about a Six months into it, so I'm hosting it. I've been hosting it three nights a week now, so I'm really starting to cut my teeth and you know say a bit more. Right, okay. Dress up and things like that. And they put me in Glasgow, and then I started my own business. Um, I started in pubs in Glasgow, uh, Delmonica's. I did. All right. Aye. So that was Dells had just opened, so I was one of the first karaoke hosts. There was a few of them. I did a women's night in there, which started off with sort of twenty odd women, and ended up with. 120 they couldn't yeah. couldn't get them in and and it was in the back area as well it wasn't in the whole place and then we did it on a Sunday and the, the Sundays and Dells ended up uh, it started at, you know, it used to be 2 till 5 we did it and it went so well my boss is going to date 2 till 7 and that went so well she's going to date 2 to 7 have a breakfast for dinner and come back and date 9 till 12 wow and that went so well she's going to start DJing in Club X <laughs> so I used to work on a Sunday for 2 till 3 Right. I'd start the karaoke at two and I'd finish in Club X at three. It was a ended up a huge day. That's it amazing. Was, it, that was brilliant. And then it started in Edinburgh as well. And uh, and worked between five nights a week between Edinburgh and Glasgow, DJing and karaoke. So I did that for seven years, Brian. So as right. much as I've I've no formal training and I know it's certainly no theatre training, but it was working with people and it was working in entertainment and it was kind of honing comedy and yeah. presenting and uh, it was an, an awful lot of hours. You know, yeah. put in between 19 and what age was chewing the fat? I was 27 when we filmed that. So about eight years. Uh, all uh, that time was taken I, up with that stuff. Yep. And timing as well. Like it's all about, all about, you know, timing things out. Like you say, even pouring the Guinness going, wait a minute, this song's going to end. Aye. You become an expert in, in timing things out and slotting things together. Aye. And to, I, I wouldn't go as far as say control a crowd, but manage a crowd. Sure, yeah. You know, yeah. manage a drunken crowd. So, Work the room a wee bit. Aye. Yeah. So fortunately in managing that, cause, and especially in some of the nights, you just had to had to be on top of it. It'll just eat you alive. Yeah. Um, and, and, and getting a bit braver in that. No as brave as to 
be, you know, there was sometimes some people had to get flung out because I wasn't that, but well, that wasn't my job. Yeah, um, you just call for the guys who do that, right? I, because there's only so long you can go back and forth with somebody. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, it was, uh, it was a phenomenal experience and really good for me. I mean, I did a, a phone in and Sadie Frost on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Saying a phone in, it was a phone out. I'd, I managed to hook up a phone to the sound system. This was before mobiles. And um, well, it was before we had mobiles. Yeah. And just phone random places. So I would phone the uh, the small lads in the Evening Times. I would phone McDonald's. I phoned the Betty Ford Clinic one night in Los Angeles. <laughs> no. My boss says to me, you can phone have you like, because it was heaving. Right. The place was heaving on a Wednesday night. Did a quiz and a phone, phone it. Um, and I pretended to be Shirley Bassey, steaming. <laughs> phoned the Betty Ford Clinic. No, stuff. That's amazing. I, Aye, I played the mouth organ, did the phone to the guy as Shirley Bassey, but I mean it was, it was 10 grand a week they were charging, so he was quite happy to listen to me playing the mouth organ. So stuff like that, and I started to do different characters, I would pretend I was a, an old woman and then the old woman's son, so I would go between that. Right, right. So that was kind of creating characters, which is, is all the stuff that we were looking for in Chewing the Fat. So what happened, did Ford and Greg come to the karaoke or something? No, I bumped into a friend who lived in Stirling. And he was on his way to the station. He said, I can't believe I've seen you. He was an old school pal. It was really random meeting him. Mm-hmm. He said, I've just uh, been to an, uh, the open auditions at the comedy unit. And I kept thinking, Candon Bass should come to this. Right. And I s- says, what's the comedy unit? He said, it's the people that make rab scenes. But I mean, I had no experience at all. And long story short, Brian, I, I phoned them. I said, I'd like to come to the open auditions. They said, we've got one left. Um, I wrote out a kind of comedy CV about myself and I dressed up as an old woman and went in and (laughs) pretended. I mean, what that, you know, I'm pretending to be an old woman. So what that is, is writing a script and acting. But at the time I was like, I'll just write it funny. That's a script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Right, that's a sketch I've written. But you don't have all those concepts in your head. So in a way that doesn't hold you back. Aye. You just sort of throw it down, right? And it was much easier to kind of blow my own trumpet, if you like, as somebody else. Of course, yeah. yeah. Dress up as an old woman and tell them. And I thought I'd never hear from them again. And then they phoned me the next day and said, come in for a meeting. And then they put me in the radio show, A Chew in the Fat. It was on Radio Scotland Oh, that was a radio show, of course. And then the next series. And while we were doing the next series, series two, Chew in the Fat, and the radio, it was commissioned for telly. So I was still hosting the karaoke. (laughs) I I would put the telly on and I would be on the telly in the pub. Right, right, right. Uh, And I'd say, wait a minute, look. And put the telly on, and, <laughs> which was great at first. And then folk were starting to go, what are you doing in the pub hosting the karaoke when you're on the telly? Right, right. Um, so the next year I left, which was really hard because I'd been I'd been at the, I'd opened some of the pubs. I opened CC Blooms. I was there at the beginning of Dells. I opened Sadie Frost's. It was the opening night of Sadie Frost. So you were a fixture and I was, kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, so you became a, a, a part on this tune, The Fat. Mm-hmm. Um, on the radio thing, w- were you doing wee bits at first and then gradually more, or did they say like it's basically the three of us, or what? Well, whenever it, there was a woman required to speak in a sketch, it was me. Right, right, right. Uh, and we had other great actresses in you and the fat as well. So if it was, it was two, but it was me and another one. But if mm-hmm. it was, you know, Jean comes in and says, "That's you," then it was me. Mm-hmm. Um, women of many wigs. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so it was always the boys' show, but it became, uh, you know, I became a big part of it just because of the variation and their great writing as well, you know, when they wrote characters like Betty and uh, yeah. it, actually it wasn't Ford uh, and Greg that wrote The Lonely Shopkeeper, it was Sanjeev Kohli who what plays the lead. Oh, right. He was, he's a writer as well. Yeah. Um, 
So because these characters had been written, you know, so well written and mm-hmm. really popular, um, they, they gave me more stuff to do. Right, right, right. Smashing. And it's funny you say that about being in Dells and the telly being on and you being on the telly because don't you think people have this conception that if you're on the telly, you couldn't possibly need or have another job or, mm. you know, you're right. in this other class now. Aye. And that's the idea that I had, Brian, as a kid. I, was, I always wanted to be on the telly. I didn't quite know what. I, I used to sing a lot as a kid, so I thought it would right. be a singer. Okay. So the idea that I, the the prerequisites for being on television were, in my head as a wane, were posh, educated, yep. rich. Uh, nah, there was no any of the things. None. <laughs> None of the things were, were in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, we, we're well aware of that now, that it's not like that. And especially when we see things like, you know, we're watching a lot of Britain's Got Talent and X Factor and YouTube stuff and everything, mm-hmm. how people can get into the business now. But the business has changed that much. Of course. I mean, when you were because watching telly, like you, would, you yeah. would have been watching Three a lot of posh people. Aye. Yep. Well, uh, roughly, I mean, one of my biggest influences and my biggest kind of inspirations was Elaine C. Smith. Mm. Because to see a woman who was funny and Scottish and working class, portraying a working class character, bl- blew my mind. Yeah. And, and let me see that it was possible. And I was about 16, 17 watching that. And was, um, so up until then, people that had been watching Billy Connolly, who's far and away my biggest influence, um, yeah. uh, French and Saunders, Victoria Woods, Josie Lawrence, mm-hmm. um, and that. But seeing Elaine, that 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 totally shifted it for me into a possibility. So I suppose when they said the, the comedy unit, and you said, "What's that?" They produced Rab Sinez, but you go, "Ding!" Like yep. I get that. Aye, I and could go there. Aye, but I didn't. I mean, really, I was so naive. Uh, I didn't know what produce meant. Yeah, know, make okay. it. They make it uh, pr- to produce it. Yeah, but sure. But you know, I, so even then, it was still a pretty tenuous link mm. um, for me. But aye. Um, How many series of Chewing the Fat were there on the telly? There was four, yeah. four seasons of Chewing the Fat, four seasons of my own show, and so that was eight, eight years uh, sketch shows, which was brilliant. But there's only so much sketch. You could, there's only so many wee characters like that you can create. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and you always want to take them, either take them a bit further or do something else. So you did four years of Tune the Fat and then right away started doing your own show, yeah, the yeah. Camden Bar show. My, my show started, the boys got still game and I got my own show. Oh, I see. Aye. From Which the same source? Both comedy units? Uh, well, BBC Scotland. Right, right, yeah, right. With the success of Chew and the Fat. Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people have said to me, why were you no instill game? And I was like, I had my own show. Right. Um, which was was much better for me. Yeah. To to be involved in that and in the writing and that and everything that goes with it. Um, as much as I loved still game, yeah. you know, love still game. Uh, so I it was good. So did you write as part of a team with people for that? I did. I did a lot. Of, I, I did more character creating uh, because the the comedy unit were great. They always encouraged new writers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would sit with writers and new writers and experienced writers and tell them ideas for characters, and then they would go away and write it. I, ah. I didn't really have a lot of time to do writing either, and I wasn't very experienced in it. Um, but and also a lot of script editing. So we would go through different sketches, and the teamers would sit and say, "That's really funny, but it's too long." Yeah. So let's take this bit out. That's a good idea but it's not funny enough how can we rewrite that so it was a lot mm. of rewriting I did right okay and sometimes like in the moment yeah I would you know talk to the producer and the director and say actually I've just had an idea can I do such and such that's much better just put that in instead so it was all happening kind of organically I yeah. well some of it right. it, it can't be too organic especially in uh, sketch 
life or TV life even because it has got to be very tightly scheduled to get the amount of minutes, you know, because yeah. you need, you're needing, I think you need about, th- we make 35 minutes for a, th- a half hour show so that you've got excess so that you can cut it down. Yeah. And some poor person has to sit and edit it as well. I did, yeah. And you could fly out a lot of extra stuff and they Aye. have to sit and figure out how to put it in, right? Aye. Aye, you can't, you can't go wrong with a good editor. Yeah. And director, because a... the director's got to sit in on that as well. These are these invisible it. skills that nobody, they most so people don't realise. very grateful for the folk that do that. Yeah. So four years of that took you to what year? Was that into 2000 something? Or was it late 90s? Uh, no, no, 2000s. Um, well, Tuna Fat went up to 2004, I think. Aye. 2003, my own show, 2007, 2008. Um, and then I started to work down in London. Right. Um, went to a fantastic job, did it at the National Theatre. And a, a play called Men Should Weep. Oh, yeah. So that, that was something else. So that was a whole different world. Then going down to the national. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a karaoke host. <laughs> There's all the past uh, people. Aye, aye. <laughs> and of them were, well, some of them were, but no, all of them were. Aye. You know, uh, and that, and you know, going on for there and doing things like Shakespeare and, uh, God, Beckett. I mean, Andy says to me about doing Beckett. He says, "Do you know Samuel Beckett?" I went, "I've heard of him." Yeah. Is he an Irish poet? It's like, no, no. Kind of, <laughs> close enough. Aye, okay. So, aye. So when you did Shakespeare, was that was that your first encounter with Shakespeare? Had you seen any before oh, that? I had seen it, and um, but I can't say you know I can't say I was a huge Shakespeare fan, but it was through ignorance mm-hmm. as opposed to choice, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not I, I'm not now, you know, I know my Shakespeare, um, or bits of it at Aye. least, um, and uh, and how to, but it's it's it is another language, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, and so I understand, and that was one of the big things that Philida in the production uh, at the Donma uh, really wanted to do was try and make it as accessible as possible. And they did phenomenal things. I mean, we went and did a week in a school, mm-hmm. uh, which was brilliant, just brilliant. And in London, we did a week in uh, two different women's prisons. Brilliant. Aye. I mean, it was brilliant. It was hard. Yeah. Um, Presumably I, I, not just doing the show over and over. No, we're engaging. doing workshops um, <clears throat> with their mates as well. Yeah. And I mean, when I say it was hard, I don't mean it was hard for me. It was, I think one of the things, you know, is, is saying, well, thanks very much, everybody. And this has been brilliant. And then realize, I know, I'm going back to my hotel room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, strong start. It was really moving. Yeah. I'm just thinking back to it there. And, uh, and there was brilliant stuff came out of it and real joy, but it was sad stuff too. Well, you're right. You have to walk away. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see how other people live. Yep. Well, and and the very thin line. There was a woman who, um, uh, who was in for killing somebody while being on a mobile phone in a car. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm not gonna. <laughs> the, how how could I sit here and say, well, of course I've never done that. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't tell you the amount of times I've done that. I'm not proud of that. I'm just saying that's the truth of it. And you've been lucky. And thinking, right? What's the difference between you and me? Yeah. No, that I'm looking at everybody and saying, you know, well, you're very different for me. But that, that I'd stopped using my mobile phone in the car after that. But it's easier to compartmentalise people who've done terrible things that you could never think of doing. Yeah. Uh, and someone who's done something that you've done many times, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's quite a few women as well. Where, <clears throat> I, I, of course, I'm not a doctor, 
but it was kind of obvious that they had very severe mental health issues. Yeah. And I can't deny it a few times I thought, why are they in here? I don't mean what have they done, I mean why are they being kept in here? Yeah. I don't understand this, but that's only my thoughts on things and I don't know the full story yet, but so there was quite, there's some harrowing stuff. Yeah. Did you ever have any kind of encounters there where people were saying, well, what's the point of this? Or, you know, like coming up against those walls? I um well, something like that. I was, we were kind of split into different teams mm-hmm. to do a workshop and stuff. And we were meant to be sort of looking at what strength was, right? And having a discussion about that. I and mean, it was quite, it was, you know, it was made to be sort of fun, quite simple. And there was a couple of the lassies that were talking about it and I was getting into that. And there was a woman who'd been sitting quietly, probably ages myself. And I says, have you got any ideas in this? And she was sort of staring at the distance and then she turned around to me and she says, I don't know where my kids are. <sighs> Aye. And you just moved. Yeah. Um, right, so we'll just, uh, I'm an actor. And I'm just like, okay, I'm so sorry to hear that. Don't worry about this now, I'll just, and, you know, and she went away back to staring. Yeah. And uh, so that's what I'm saying, you know, it's hard, I mean, Whatever that was for me, God knows what that woman was going through. Yeah, yeah. And then I suppose the question is that although that's difficult and it makes what we're doing seem insignificant, also, is it then even more important that we push on doing artistic things Aye. and giving people a Definitely. way to process their lives? You Definitely. Know? The, the the level of ex, you know, excitement uh, and anticipation that the woman had about us coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, also, one of our cast, there's a... There's a charity called Clean Break and it's for people who have either uh, ex-offenders or vulnerable and, and, and look like they're, they're going to offend whatever sort of situation they're in, whether it's through addiction, maybe through domestic abuse and they're starting to get into that kind of world mm-hmm. um, that they can come to and do acting classes and acting workshops and one of the women who was in our cast had came for Clean Breaks and she'd been in prison Wow um, and was phenomenal and this was, you know, this that had been her life then, and this was her life now. Yeah. So I think it's it's no important. It's vital. Absolutely, because people just get kind of flung in. I mean, in boxes, yeah. metaphorically, and yep. just go, "Well, that's you now." That, you know. No, it's awfully hard to commit the system once you've got that on your record. Yeah, yeah, you're just one of those yeah. people, which is terrible. Mm-hmm. So. You were talking about um, starting to, you know, t- taking a long time to learn Winnie, which is, of course, mm. understandable because you would. But you're talking about now looking at Ernest as well. So do you do that always uh, in advance of starting? Actually, no, uh, without sounding too despondent or anything. But usually I'll learn, maybe I'll, I'll certainly look at it and familiarise myself with it. And also I write it out or look behind do you write? as a kind of part of a learning practice mm-hmm. there's something about writing it in your own handwriting makes it kind of personal and tangible yeah and i'm like ah that's see that's a comma there right and so when i'm act- actively writing that out yeah yeah so i would do all that before it and i'd really investigate the character so I'd do all that kind of preparation then i would learn it largely in rehearsals and mm-hmm. at night um but there was something about uh the importance of being earnest in lady bracknell's part that i thought I, I really, I, I knew it was wordy and it's not as if I've got huge soliloquies. I mean, we're doing Shakespeare and Harriet Walter, who's phenomenal, is standing there doing, you know, huge speeches, Brutus's speech, one of her speeches, in, well, a few of her speeches in Henry the Fourth, and she's playing the king 
it's just mind blowing. I'm like, mm. I can't believe that woman's doing that. <laughs> I just can't believe she's saying all that like that so well. And then she's away to Dave Brutus, and then she's playing Prospero, and that. it was huge things. Wow. So, um, I, I wanted to. It's not about like turning up as an apt pupil or anything. I just wanted to. I actually wanted to do it. Mm. I wanted to get into it, um, and and start becoming familiar with it and. When I say know what I'm doing, I don't really know what I'm doing until we're in rehearsals. That's what rehearsals are for. Yeah, yeah. And then that'll shift slightly as well once you put people in front of it, an audience in front of it, and you get notes after it and things like that. I mean, the basis it will stay the same, obviously. Um, but no, I just, I, I just felt no, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Um, and actually, I was talking to somebody whose pal's an actor, and said they said, oh, he would never. Uh, he she swears by it. You know, turning up. I did a play called uh, The Good Sisters, myself and Jane McCary. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I mean, there was another fantastic, uh, there was 13 actresses in it. Wow. And that was the National Theatre of Scotland. And uh, it was a French Quebecian director who was just brilliant. He was such a character. But he he was saying it like in the first couple of days of rehearsals, he's, I'll not bother doing the French Quebecian accent. <laughs> oh, go I'm on. Just, no, I'll not even bother. <laughs> but, um, he was saying, to him, do, you, do, you, do you not know your lines? And we were all kind of looking at him like, of course we don't. Serge, his name was Serge. Of course right? it was. No, why would we know our lines? He says, this is very strange. He wasn't annoyed, he just was confused. He says, right. this is very strange, we don't do this in Quebec. Any actors I've worked with, they, they yep. turn up already knowing their lines. Was, oh. We were all like, oh well, good for them, we don't do that. <laughs> and he kind of accepted it. You know? Yeah, yeah. But I definitely can see the... I mean, it all depends. I'm fortunate. I had time. I've got time to do that. There's times when I've been going from one job to another and I just wouldn't be able to do that if I wanted to. Plus, no. you don't want to be involved in something else and then filling your head with words, uh, full of words for, for the next thing. Yeah, that's true. Saying, one, saying the wrong lines and all that. Aye, so a deluxe <laughs> doing that this time. Do you think that maybe going from... You did a Tune the Fat live, didn't you? On a number of Aye. them? Aye. Mm-hmm. In Bar live? Yes. So... Aye. Do you think that that it maybe into panto mm. is a kind of a stepping stone into the kind of work you're doing now? Aye, aye, I can see that. Sure. I mean, the first thing I did before Tune the Fat, before the TV, mm-hmm. um, was the Celtic story. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm no half in my audience here. I'm an Air United supporter just before anybody turns off or gets excited or anything. <laughs> Any offence? I'm an Air United supporter. Um, which was that was one experience that was um, Dave McLennan yep. who produced it um, so it was Dave Anderson and that uh, Jimmy Logan Jimmy Logan was I it? Know, Jimmy wow. Logan Dorothy Paul yeah it's brilliant um, and I had, I had no idea I didn't know I mean I didn't have much to do which is a good job no idea where to stand like if you just stand at the proscenium arch and I was like that, that. I don't <laughs> even know if I can say it right yet I was like that where they are saying downstage left and I was like is that my left or your left it was like Tootsie is that my, my left or you? I yep, don't know yep. uh, and they saying if you go upstage right and I'm saying I don't know and this is out of uh, you know uh, uh, nah, not a scooby however I learned mm-hmm. and that um, so I'd, I kind of did that sort of first professional theatre job before we did the TV Right. And then it was all TV. And then it was into I mean, Panto and different plays and things like that. So I it gave me that uh, line into it. But really, um, I mean, we were doing a David Ireland comedy. For, I did that for a few years uh, uh, with theatre. Yeah. Which was a brilliant play called Can't Forget About You. And we did that in Belfast, which was brilliant. 
think I saw that. Was that the Tron as well? And then it was on at the Tron, aye. Yeah, I saw it. I was Wonder Woman in one of the scenes. Ah, yes, I did see it then. And so that was, you know, that was still... So as much as, you know, Shakespeare's near Beckett's and everything, David Island's a brilliant writer, but that that was like, you know, modern-day comedy. Yeah, Um, yeah. So I'm up for anything, just about if I like the part and I like the writing. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you read other stuff around, you know, like research, or do you read aye, in your off time as well? Aye, in a kind of obsessive way. Do you, right? Aye. Which, I'm saying obsessive, but I'm, I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, you know, I was playing Tranquilo in uh, The Tempest, mm-hmm. and Tranquilo was the kind of jester character, so I'm a way into medieval history, jesters, blah, blah, I'm really, okay. I'm, as well as all the Shakespeare stuff, and as well as watching everything that I can. Right. Aye. Far too too far, but I enjoy it. Yeah, but it's interesting, isn't it? Aye, aye. I always think with theatre you get to learn about a really tiny, very specific thing in history. You know, mm-hmm. if it's not a contemporary play, mm-hmm. suddenly you know a load about just before the Second World War in a very particular country. Aye, and the things I could tell you now mm. about the actual Henry the Fourth and uh, Richard the First. See, now I'm saying I can tell you, but I'm sure it was Richard the First. One of those guys. That, you know, that he's flung in the tower and all that. So, yeah. All that, which I didn't I knew tiny bits and pieces of it now, but, yeah. and I love history as well, so I found that, and it was just fascinating. Uh, doing um, <clears throat> happy days, you know, and looking into uh, elderly and older couples and what the dynamics in the relationship were. And what, I mean, I know it's not all the same, but roughly in the trajectory of that and, mm-hmm. Um, and Beckett and absurdism and uh, where he keep it, love it. Yeah, I think uh, Beckett's life's almost as fascinating as his writing. Absolutely, people like that. I could read even if I'm not don't know much about their work. Mm. I could read about their lives all day long. Same with Pinter. Mm-hmm. These kind of strange characters. Mm. I read a book recently that blew me away, called "A Lonely City" or "The Lonely City." Mm. Can't remember who wrote it. Olivia Olivia Liang wrote it. And at first I thought it was a novel. My pal gave me it for Christmas. And she says, this is one of my favourite books. But it wasn't. It was a kind of, it was an exploration into five or six different artists and their solitude um, and their lives and how it correlated with her life. Because she moved to New York, but she was on her own. And it blew my mind. But what you know, uh, uh, writing was fantastic. But also, these are, it was a big, you know, exploration Andy Warhol's psyche, which... I would probably not have looked into it before had it not been a part of this book. Yeah. Uh, it, was, uh, it was fascinating. So I love all that stuff. Oh, that's interesting. I must read that because I've got a current fascination with hermits and people being on their own and well, stuff Well, I would like highly... I mean, I would recommend that book to anybody, but um, I would highly recommend it oh, for that. Oh, cool. Uh, and just looking at the art they created in that, uh, from that kind of place, whether it was loneliness or whether it was aloneness, because there's a bit yeah. of a difference. Just that space of being not having loads of people around or whatever. Aye. Or, well, Andy Warhol was totally surrounded by people all the time. True, yeah. Um, but looking at his loneliness and that, because you can have loads of people running about you and still be very lonely. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, such a unique life that he created for himself, that mm-hmm. factory and all the rest of Aye, it. Aye, yep. That's a strange existence. Mm-hmm. So do you write your own stuff for theatre ever? Are you thinking about it? Aye. Um, I wrote a play for the Oren Moore a couple of years Did ago. Did you? And... Wrote and starred in. Um, it was called Hashtag 71, about three. Oh, that's right. Aye, about three uh, o- older women, women in their 70s, who, they were all 71, because people were like, what's the name of that? Why is it called this? And they were all smoking hash. Right. There you go. 
Um, Wasn't Mo Car in it? She was. Ah, she brilliant. was fantastic. She did a huge rap about Catholicism to George Michael's faith. <laughs> Um, she's amazing an she's amazing woman brilliant. brilliant and Claire Waugh who oh, played yeah. uh, you know she was pretending that she was born in France and had all these you know uh, franglais phrases and, everything. And, and that was a brilliant experience to Great. write something and to hear and watch other brilliant performers putting it across that's a buzz that I hadn't known it is a buzz yeah yep. who directed it? April Chamberlain oh did she? Who, yep who was at my audition for the comedy unit. So we've been friends for, my God, 20, over 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was her, so it was my first time writing and her first time directing and we had a ball. That's we so cool. We had an absolute ball. I mean, the lack of stress in it for what, for the fact that, uh, you know, it's the first thing I'd written and I was in it. And you've got two weeks to rehearse it. Aye. It's it bonkers. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Will you do more, do you think? Aye, aye. They've asked me to do another one. Great. Which I was, I had started um, and then I've got Calendar Girls, so I was away touring, uh, touring all of Britain. That was a long, long tour, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was about a year. I, I, I mean, it was a year from, because I went down at the beginning of July, down to London to, for the rehearsals at the beginning of July, and I finished, although I had breaks in between uh, my last show was in the 20, 20, 20th of June. Right. That's was, a lot of Calendar Girls. I, it was. It was ph- phenomenal. It was hard it was hard moving. The show doing the show wasn't hard because it mm-hmm. was a great show and it was a great cast. Yeah. But the 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 moving I had never experienced that and there were people in that tour who were well seasoned yeah. and what it was like to, you know, pack frugally, as a Shakespearean word. And so you do uh, a week in a place and then you're off. Yep. Um and it felt you know, I've been away before working, but you know, I was in London and New York with the Shakespeare stuff, but I was in one place in London yeah. and then I was in one place in New York. Um, so I'd, you know, the, the first few few places that I was at, you know, I'd unpack my case and put my photos up and put all my stuff, out, blah, blah, and fold <laughs> yeah, things yeah. and put them in drawers. And then it was like, you just switched the light off and switched the light back on and it was packing again. And so by the third or fourth move, the case was dumped and things were just in two Morrison's bag, Morrison's bags, clean, yeah, yeah. You know, clean and dirty. Because uh, that was basically what it was like. Sometimes it's like I've no had time time to do laundry. You know, working at stuff like that. Yeah. Why am I doing a washing? I don't like to do it my day off. I take the stuff into the theatre on a Thursday. No, I kind of do it on a Thursday. You think about that kind of stuff. Yeah. And actually, where am I going next? I'm in Hull. Never been Hull. I'm in but Hull was brilliant. Um, I'm in Hull. Uh, where am I going next? Southampton. Southampton. Where is that? That's down the bottom. When do I need to leave? Where are it? Yeah, you've got all that going on as well as being in, yeah, and the and the playing and the musical and and doing it and performing it. It's not a glamorous life, is it? No, <laughs> despite what people think. <laughs> no, no, but uh, there was a lot. Of, there was great glamour attached to it, you know, and big press nights and yeah. Gary Barlow up on the stage was, was he wrote the music, yeah. you know, and all that kind of shenanigans. So uh, highs and lows. I'm saying that there wasn't even that much lows because once you get used to it, I mean, I love driving, so I'm lucky with that. So, do you drive the whole thing? Aye, right. Aye, apart from it, we went, oh man, Southampton to Dublin. Oofed. Aye. And then Dublin to, oh, I can't remember, but somewhere away down again. Uh, you know, and some people are, why do they know just 
start up at the top of Scotland or wherever it is, so, you know, Aberdeen. If you're going to Aberdeen, it makes sense to go to Edinburgh next. He's like, well, aye, it does, but it doesn't for the theatres because they're booked with other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you kind of just say to the theatre, hello, we'd like to, we're, we're coming on Wednesday. Uh, I'm sorry, Priscilla <laughs> Queen of the Desert Zone on Wednesday. <laughs> we can have you in March. You're like, oh, right, okay. Didn't you do Priscilla? I did, aye. Yeah, that's another <laughs> one. Aye, that was a buzz because... Well, it was a phenomenal. I loved the show. It was yeah. brilliant. My agent got in touch with me. She says, look, they want you to play this part in Priscilla and you can't do it. I says, why? And she says, because it's the day after you come back from New York Day in the Tempest. And I said, what time do I need to be there? She's like, really? I went, I, I love that. And it's an easy part. You know, it was only one yeah. bit and then I'd come on at the end. Um, so I did, I flew back to New York and I think on this Monday night, I got in and out. I mean, I'd left on the Sunday afternoon in New York, whatever time difference it is. Got yeah, back yeah. on the Monday night, went to my bed and the Tuesday drove through to Edinburgh. Yeah. Rehearsed. I, I rehearsed the part for Priscilla in my apartment in New York on my own. Right, okay. So I had, I mean, it wasn't much I had today, but I had a whole dance routine, me and Jason Donovan. Wow. So you were not in the full rehearsal period then? Not at all. Right. Not at all. <laughs> and we rehearsed, we rehearsed in the foyer. Me and the cast because the theatre was being fitted up with right. the, the Priscilla stuff, so we couldn't get on the stage. Uh, it was the getting for that for Edinburgh that day, and went on that night. We did a, we did a dress rehearsal and then went on that night. Wow! And I mean, it was only two weeks or something like that. Yeah. And I said, uh, uh, you know, in matinees and things like that, I just slept. Went and did the matinee and then slept. Yeah. So up. it was as if the uh, Shakespeare stuff ended at the end of Priscilla. Mm-hmm. That that was. I'm really glad I did it. It's kind of like either do it or you don't, and you get to the end of it, and you go, oh, "No, I'm glad I did." It was a bit of a pain. Getting, you know, I was tired, but so what? Mm-hmm. The the other option is not do it. Aye, miss it. Yeah, <sighs> I'd rather be tired. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Exactly. <laughs> I'll sleep when I'm dead. Mind you, I sleep a lot now. Well, <laughs> you just double up when you're dead. I'm a big fan of sleep. Yeah, me too. It's kind of my answer to everything. Aye, it's my drug of choice. Yeah, feel shite. Oh, I just go to bed. Aye. I think that's all right. I got up this morning and went, right, I'm not going back to bed today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we'll see what happens. I got a flat tire on the way home last <clears> night, so there's every chance I could end up in the bed. I would say that Does deserves that, yeah. a, a good nana nap. That and the cream eggs, it's a nightmare. Aye, the cream eggs will send you off your head. Mm-hmm. I already have. Thank you very much for talking to me. <laughs> You're very welcome, Brian. It's been a pleasure. The inimitable Karen Dunbar. What can I tell you? Great to, to have an opportunity to talk to her. Um, and thanks to Perth Theatre for setting it up. And uh, remember that you can catch The Importance of Being Earnest from the 5th to the 21st of March. So it opens this week at Perth Theatre. And, and uh, it's a great team and I'm sure it'll prove to be an excellent show. I'm looking forward to seeing it. So that's about all from me, really, for this week. Um, looking forward to my trip, as I've told you. And um, I just want to, to wish you well and... Um, I look forward to speaking to you again. I'm really enjoying the new setup in the studio. It's making me sort of newly even more eager and excited about the show. Um, I feel like I can spend more time in here because it's it's starting to feel like a real hotspot. Um, and things are building up over at the National Theatre of Scotland as well so that um, I'll probably end up spending a bit more time in that studio too. So yes, it's great and it's all thanks to your support because if nobody listened to it, there'd be no point in doing it. So thank you for listening and being part of this wee journey. Uh, Drop me a line, let me know how you're doing, tell me what your connections are to the show, if you've got suggestions, ideas, you want me to to mention something, let me know, because I'd love to help. 
um, we're a team, you know. I was talking to Robin Lane this morning, who was on the show a while back, a terrific actor and um, a very prolific one too. And uh, we were talking about getting, helping each other get in places and get work and things like that. And he said, yeah, absolutely. He said, the more the merrier. And I thought, I love that sentiment. Um, you know, instead of us being in competition with each other, I think especially in Scotland, we have a sense of um, being a team. And there's work for all of us if we, you know, if we harness it and we can welcome each other, you know. So I think that's that's wonderful. And it was a good reminder this morning um, of the spirit that's in this industry, particularly when I've had a few quiet weeks. Um, so I, I thank Robin for that and for listening to the show as well. If you're listening, Robin, cheers. So uh, have a wonderful week. Be gentle, breathe, enjoy your life, be kind. And uh, I'll speak to you the same time in the same place next week. So cheerio now.